Hi, it's Martin from the Accelerator team at Robson Lakeler. This is our weekly podcast about business stuff, where you can pick loads of tips up and ideas about the things you should be thinking about in business. I'm joined again by Jack from the team. Hi, Jack, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Um, so, new year, new challenges, but let's not get carried away. What are, the, what are the four things that we should be doing in January or the start of the year? So, Jack, can you just recap what those things are, please? Yeah, so, I mean, first and foremost, we need to be looking after our people. Secondly, writing to our key customers or getting in contact with them. Three, we need to be updating our cash flow forecasts. And four, and probably most important for you, filing your self-assessment tax return. Yeah, yeah. So 31st of January is the deadline. Um, most people in business need to do that, whether you're self-employed or you've got rental property or you're a director, you've normally got a tax return. Most people leave at the last minute. We wish they didn't every year, but it's just what happens. You just get a little bit more tired every year, do you? Yeah, yeah, which just saps a little bit more of our souls away every year. Um, but yeah, so there's a tax return. It's due by the 31st of January, technically. There's actually this year, because of everything that's happened with the economy, just like they did last year, they've actually extended the deadline, the 28th. Of February. One important thing though that people are going to forget here is you've still got to pay the tax at the end of January. So you might be thinking, pressure's off, let's not bother doing that, let's just kick it down the line. But if you do that and you realise that you haven't paid your tax, you could incur interest charges. The interest isn't eye-watering, but it's better to keep your record clean. Um, just as a throwaway, if you're something like a subby and you're within CIS, you only keep your CIS registration on the premise that you keep up to date with things. So we don't know how they're going to read this. They might say, well, your return was in by the end of February, but you didn't pay your tax. And non-payment of your liabilities can actually be one of the things that, let's say, HMRC strip your gross status off you, for instance, within CIS. So I think we'll park it there. There's no other major deadlines, but get your return done. Um, yeah, we've got a bit overexcited there. We jumped straight to four. <laughs> that one's the nearest one. So yeah. if you haven't done that now, when you're watching this, get, get away and yeah, do that. switch off. Press and... pause, come back and, and, and pick this up. Um, right, so let's talk about the biddies though. So, so people, what's happening with people? So, so in this regard, we're talking about the, the, the teams that work for you, with you. What's the, what's the major thing happening at the moment, Jack? Just the, the job market in general over you know the past... 18 months well since covid's really hit it's, it's gone very very erratic and um, people have a lot of people have got you know a new clarity in what they want to do with their life and suddenly flexible working is very important to them yeah. and you know they're not so willing to to work in conventional ways or put up with the same things they used to put up with yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. and it suddenly because good staff come at a premium and there's so many job offers out there the supply the supply for jobs at the moment is so high and demand is so low. Yeah. So it's it's a case of if you've got staff that you really value, it's it's making sure that you're absolutely addressing all their concerns and staying in touch with them as much as possible. So there's no reason for them to to stray and and, and look elsewhere. Yeah, uh, it, it, um, there's there's a catchy name that neither of us can remember. It's like quit your job a lot of lists or something like, it's like, a, like an yeah. apocalyptic kind of term but mm-hmm. th- th- there is a lot of uncertainty in the job market i know from speaking to some recruiters they've got some really good jobs that they're trying to fill which in the past they would have just filled all day long nice and easy but mm-hmm. the, the, there's been a shift in whether people are expected to be in a certain place to do that job whereas people have proven or many think that it's been proven that they can just do the job remotely and there's no reason to go in. There's a lot of things like that that have changed. Um, 
but also it's always worth remembering that one of the key things in, in Love and After teams is people don't only leave jobs, they normally leave managers. Yeah. So if you're above a team and you've got a lot of churn, it's probably a, a good time to have a bit of like self-reflection here, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Why are people leaving you? They're not leaving the job, they're leaving you. Yeah, we talk about looking in the mirror before you look out the window kind of thing. It, it's certainly interesting and kind of, I've been speaking to a lot of clients who've been using the Kickstart scheme, a lot of local clients, and uh, it's quite interesting that they've been in contact with various job adverts for, for positions for sort of young younger people, that, that's what it's obviously aimed at, and there's so many positions that they're not even actually taking on any more job adverts. They're saying there's too many jobs out there. Right. For you know, for younger people on universal credit, but there just doesn't seem to be a huge amount of uptake there. And what, what, what do you think is driving this thing, Jack? Because because I'm I'm sure anyone watching or listening to this will remember the whole thing about the lorry drivers. Well, you know, we know what it is, but the reality is there was a hundred thousand vacancies, ten thousand poles went home, paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. But there's but there clearly wasn't the, the the job clearly wasn't attractive enough as it was to encourage people to leave other professions to go into it. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's been like like a, like an eye-opening on certain jobs where you kind of go, well, I used to put up with this because that's what I had to do. I've tried something else during, you know, lockdown and I don't want to go back to where I was. I know I speak to people who run cafes and restaurants and they're saying they're struggling to get it. There was always students who were just happy to do three shifts at the cafe every week. Mm-hmm. And, they can't get them now. They say, "Oh well, we're not. We don't want to come back to this. We want to do something else." Do you think there needs to be a, a rebalancing of what what the offer is to, to actually drive people into these jobs? Yeah, I mean, suddenly the the offer of minimum wage and no benefits uh, isn't attractive to people, and there's a, a certain expectation now for for employees, you know, that they get a little bit more, and there's there's a, there's a reason to be there, and. It's, it's difficult because you can see it from both sides in the sense of you have an employer who may have a warehouse, you know, e-commerce, for example, and they're like, well, I just need someone in the factory to pick orders. Like, it's not, it's not rocket science, but, you know, it needs to be done. And, but on the other side, it's like, well, yeah, but still, it's, I'm, not, I'm not wasting, I, don't, I value my time over what you're trying to pay me to do this because, you know, as a person, I expect more. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because everyone has got a job where you could say, do you fancy doing this? And you go, that you literally could pay me to do that job. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's more of those jobs now. Yeah. And it's ones where historically, you couldn't pay me to pluck chickens. Nothing against chicken pluckers, but I just, I don't think I could physically do it. I would, I'm too mm-hmm. probably sure if I had to do it, I would find a way. But you know, there's, there's jobs where you just kind of go, you can't make me do that. You couldn't pay me enough money. Mm-hmm. Do you think people are just kind of accepting that money isn't everything? It's just, well, I, I want to feel like I'm doing something part of a team, part of a wider goal, not just... Yeah, I think I think purpose comes a lot into it and I think people value themselves more on just money now. And we've, we've, we've had some blog posts out there last year about kind of time millionaires, so people that really value their free time more than anything. So it's like, I don't care that I'm not getting paid as much as I could do, but it means that I know for the fact that I can switch off my computer at five o'clock, half four, whatever, and know that I'm not going to have to open open my laptop again until nine o'clock the next morning. And I know that my weekends aren't going to be interrupted. Yeah. My holidays, I'm not going to have to be checking my phone every 15 minutes to check that some emails come through. 
think it was one of the Scandinavian countries actually banned. France, actually. It was, was, was it France? Mm-hmm. Banned ringing employees out of hours or something like that, wasn't it? Or, or, or picking up checking emails. Out, checking emails mm-hmm. out of hours, yeah. Yeah, they've really got some... interesting, but... They also, I think they also, by law, you have to leave your desk, actually, in your lunch break. You can't, right. you can't actually eat lunch at your desk. You have to physically get up. Their key- keyboards must be so clean. <laughs> exactly. Because I think that's the number one reason that keyboards fail, isn't it? It's yeah, crumbs. crumbs everywhere. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> so it, it's interesting as well because with this, it, it's not just teams where we're seeing it. It's not just employees and employer relationships. This happened with property as well, didn't it? There was, there was, I, mean, I haven't witnessed it here because we've all got a bit more space around us, but certainly in the more dense cities and in the centre of London, people moved out of these expensive flats with not even a balcony. Mm-hmm. Like, Hold on. If this happens again, we need some green. We need to be able to sit in our own gardens. Yes. Um, and there was this like massive shift. That's all that's happening really, but just in the workforce, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Going, well, you know, you've got the the small expensive flat with no space is is, is the job mm-hmm. people used to do they don't really want now and all of a sudden other things are more attractive yeah absolutely and yeah on the property stuff we certainly had a lot of our clients who, who noticed it and i used to watch country file and again they did a, a session a, a program up in the northeast where yeah that they've talked very much about that but you're right it's a, it's a very comparable in terms of a job where you can consider a, a, a high pressure job big bonus, big salary as your kind of London flat, as opposed to maybe actually, I want to have a bit more free time, you know, maybe even work in a local shop, for example. And Just yeah. Take a lower mortgage and a lower wage. Mm-hmm. Not the same, if not better quality of life. Yeah. Um, I think I think there's this possibly also the, just the final, final thought on this. I think, obviously, a lot of people had to try new things. Because most people don't like change for no reason. This forced a lot of change, which has possibly give people a new, you know, it's emboldened people with a, with, with a sense of, well, I've already changed, I'll keep changing or I'll try it again. Um, but also there's a lot of people who's kind of like, well, you're on furlough, you, you can't do your job. A lot of these jobs didn't make, they, they were stopped altogether. You were allowed, of course, to try other things. So a lot of people took part-time jobs in supermarkets, but just as many probably thought, well, I'll try that online business I've always fancied. Mm-hmm. And if that worked, of course, that person wasn't there to come off furlough and back into their job anyway. They'd already left and quit. Yeah. And then there's not necessarily someone else who's just ready to take their job, is there? So it's, I think, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly chancing, chancing your arm during furlough and starting up a new business. I mean, that probably links with part four because my sister's just come with me with her tax return saying I need that done for that. Tell, tell her it's too late. Yeah. We're not, we're not taking <laughs> well, I'm charging a top dollar for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got, she's got the family premium, has she? Oh yeah, of course. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, so this brings us on to customers then is the next thing. So what, what's, what's the key takeaway on customers, Jack? What, 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 what do people need to do with their customers? It's why, just, why is this important? It's, it's important to kind of, to touch base with them and good, sales are generally linked to good customer relations and just taking that time at the start of the year to pick up the phone and just catch up with them try and understand you know their problems and their pain points and see how you can help almost bounce their ideas off how you're what you're offering them how can they imp- how can we improve what what you know you're offering to them and having that conversation ultimately that's going to lead to more 
potentially more sales, great, but at the very least, it's very much, you've, 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 you've improved that relationship, you know, a small amount. And we always talk about it here that you, you never get told off for picking up the phone to a client. They're never going to say, why, why the hell have you spoken to us? Because yeah. at the very least, you, you're touching base with them and you can answer any, any burning issues. Is, I'm actually quite busy, Jack. Do you mind if I catch up another time? Yeah. But, but they'll never go, how dare you ask me how, how I'm doing? It's, it's, it's never <laughs> yeah. happened, is it? No, exactly. And if, I can't see any industry where that would be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, I, I think the important thing there is, you know, we've, we've just mentioned that people's teams are changing. We mentioned the shift in property. These things are happening everywhere. And it's very likely that your customers' expectations from you and your expectations of them. So customers also works with suppliers, yeah? You could just as equally say, check in with your suppliers. Oh, sure yeah. They're okay. Mm-hmm. If you've got a key supplier who you get all of your stuff from, they're just about to pull the plug on that. You need to know that, don't you? Yeah. Um, so you're, you know, whether you're on the customer end or the supply end, it's worth just having that expectation check-in, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, what's changed your end? All right, your team's all dispersed now, right? That's going to change the service in which way, right? Got it. Well, that's handy because I'm changing that way anyway. It's just like a a double check to make sure that you don't, well, you can either rely on the same relationship you always had or you need to, I suppose, prepare for change, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm I'm dealing with with a client at the moment where that kind of, that relationship between the customer is broken down, not necessarily in terms of she's still getting more and more work in, but the expectation of how she turns around this work, it's, it's getting more and more difficult. Then they're starting querying some of the, the big piece of, pieces of work she's doing where she's spending a lot of time on weekends, evenings, working late into the night. And then she's, she's charging a premium for this and they're, they're querying it and they're, they're questioning the value of it. And this all stems from the fact that she's not able to communicate with them properly because they, yeah. they refuse to pick up the phone to her when she calls. Right, yeah. We, we, we've all got clients like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, we certainly do. So, so what, what's, what, what, what can people do about this thing? Because they, they, they might speak to their customers. Uh, yeah, I suppose it's too big a topic really to go into and really nail, but you've got to make sure your customers still want the thing you were doing for them in mm-hmm. the same way you were doing them. You, you need to make sure that you can keep delivering that thing. So you, like, mm-hmm. you might want to go backwards, check your suppliers, check with your team, make sure your team aren't going to change too dramatically to... Yeah. Because you could be a business that is basically a one-trick pony and the pony might be just about to leave mm-hmm. because they've started an online business during lockdown. Um, so, you know, you've got, you've got to make sure you, all your pieces are all still still aligned, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Um, there is only so much you can do though, isn't there? Your customers might be shifting and you might then just need to find a new customer base, which again is, is mm-hmm. part of the continuing challenge, isn't it? If your yeah. customers just don't exist anymore, you can't just keep flogging it. Yeah, I suppose you having that conversation with a customer early doors and finding out as early as possible that, to be honest, we're, we're actually moving in a different direction and we're not going to be using you as much or... Nobody's buying the thing you yeah. anymore, so and then, we don't need to buy it from mm-hmm. you anymore. So it's great. It's like, well, great then. At least I've got, I know I've got maybe two months where I've built some stuff. I'm waiting for that money to come in. So I've got a bit of a stopgap. I can go out and find some new customers, but it's better than suddenly just the, the invoice, the orders dry up and you just don't know why. You don't know why at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I think I mentioned in an earlier episode, um, 
think the book's called something like Who Moved My Cheese? And, and, and the idea is that, it's, 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 you know, when you've got a pile of cheese, you might think, well, I don't need to look for any more cheese. We're okay. But if that pile stops getting filled one day and mm-hmm. just then starts depleting, you can either sit and think, well, it's all right. Someone will start putting more cheese there. But if you read the book, this makes more sense. But if you've got a customer base that you just keep mm-hmm. getting work from, it, it's, it's quite a, a dangerous position just to think, well, that's that's all mm-hmm. I need to do. You should never be too reliant on one source or one type of customer. Yeah. Should you? So, so as even, even while the going is very good, really successful businesses are, are always just slightly dabbling in other areas mm-hmm. just in case of it. So you yeah. can then turn that up if they need to when the other one turns down. Yeah. I forgot um, to mention that they were mice when we were talking about the cheese. Were they not mice, were they not? They were, I just oh, didn't think you said that. I was going to say, they are, I thought they were mice. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a story about mice and cheese, but it relates to fighting. I mean, the, there are a lot of people that do love cheese that much that they probably would defend a mountain of cheese. To, to, to be honest, the cheese diet for weight gain is, uh, is, is well known. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 but within all of that, you can probably just put this down to like one, one or two words, isn't it? It's like openness. Yeah. In, in a proper communication with your mm-hmm. customer base, isn't it? Yeah. If you haven't got that, it's going to be hard, no matter how, how well you prepare. And if you have got that, that will probably mean you can be forgiven for not doing exactly what they want. But if you've got the open relationship, you can, mm-hmm. you've got a lot more scope for time and, and a bit more forgiveness from the customer, haven't you? Yeah, and also, and we'll probably cover it in the next bit, it's about pricing as well. Like Suddenly, you may use this opportunity to look at your pricing and go, oh, I'm going to have to put my prices up by 10%. That's going to be a hell of a lot easier process if you know your customer well and they understand and they value you as well. If they know the challenges mm-hmm. you're going through and why yeah. you go. I mean, I mean, anyone who isn't planning a 10% increase in the next year, it... it, it is probably not keeping an eye on what's happening. And we'll come on to this because we'll move on to cash flow then. Um, you know, most businesses are starting this new year and thinking well, we've already got all of these challenges we've already just been talking about, whether it be a cheese or whatever the equivalent is in your business. <laughs> um, but, but, but cash flow is an interesting one because pretty much every business apart from the very smallest will be looking at increased cost of NI for employees. Inflation's at something like what, five and a half percent as we record this. So minimum wage going up as well. Minimum wage increase, wage inflation as a result of inflation plus the minimum wage knock on effect. Mm-hmm. Utilities, you know, I mean, I haven't seen anyone with quite this kind of increase, but all we hear every day is 50% more for your energy from 1st of April or whenever it is. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, we're not too energy dependent, but a 50% increase in our energy cost is a reasonable figure. You know, we've got mm-hmm. 100 people sitting in heated lit rooms with computers and printers mm-hmm. um, all of those things have to be passed on so most people probably need a brace for probably 10% increase in costs yeah because if you're not putting your costs up you're just you're going to be losing money I think so cash flow what you know we've talked about this in previous episodes we've talked about pricing etc but again it's about keeping your finger on it isn't it you've got to know your numbers and be able to accurately project what's going to happen is that, is that a reasonable thing to say? Yeah, across the year as well. It's it's not a it's not a snapshot. It's not like my cash flow is okay now. But we're, we're, when considering everything else we've talked about so far, about talking to your customers, what effects is it going to have on your employees? Am I going to have to? Am I looking at paying out some bonuses? Am I looking at some pay rises in order to retain some staff? How is that going to affect you? Not just now, but also in twelve months' time. 
Yeah. And then that will affect the decisions in terms of price rises, etc. But it's yeah, it's constantly monitoring, monitoring. It's always thinking about the the cyclical nature of nature of your business. So, if, well, if you if you generally January is quite a quiet period for for a lot of industries, um, and then if we're maybe pushing up towards like summertime, if you're like a again if you're a fashion fashion brand or something like that, that's generally when you peak again, drop down, pick up again in 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 December and in, in November. So. It's always about thinking about your unique cycle and when are you going to need more cash at certain points, when are you going to be buying stuff in, uh, when, is, when is the bulk of your cash going to be coming in, looking at you, how good am I recovering my debt, how, how am I using my credit terms effectively, all of these things, it, it's, it's, it's modelling that basically at this point for the next 12 months ahead. Yeah, because there's all the, um, and, and, and it might be we talk about these in more detail at some point, but there's all the boring things like ask for your money as quick as you can. Mm-hmm. Classic trade will do a job, forget to raise an invoice for six weeks, realise they've got no money to pay suppliers, send an invoice and ring you up before you've even had it to say, will you yeah. pay it? Just raise the invoice when the job's finished. Basics. Mm-hmm. Ask, asking for your own money, chasing your debtors, it's not impolite to ask for your own money. Yep. And again, you know, it's like, oh, I don't want to like jeopardise the trust of the relationship I've got with, well, there's obviously no trust there if they're not paying you. They, they, it's not mm-hmm. a proper relationship anyway, so you need that. You need to, you know, you need to chase that down, and get on it. But, but it's interesting you just mentioned there. You said you know you'd have to pay bonuses to keep staff, staff, in jobs that used to get filled easily, are now having to seek. So we're seeing an increase in the cost of the wage for mm-hmm. lorry drivers. They don't want to work for you know the, the same things they used to get, and if you want to see that job exist in the future. So if you're struggling to get part-time staff to work in a cafe, you say, well, I can't afford to pay them anymore, people still want to eat. Mm-hmm. So put your prices up, yeah. pay your staff a bit more. But you have to you have to have a way to work your way through through that to do it, haven't you? Yeah. Um, and the other thing is as well, of course, is you know we've mentioned increasing in costs generally, but also we talked about, to go back to my cheese analogy, because I really like it, but if you see a shift away from something, you may, if you're, if you're a manufacturing business and people aren't buying tables anymore, you think, well, I'm going to have to start making chairs. All oh, right, well, I need a, a machine to put casters on stuff now. Tell me I'm going with this. <laughs> you're going to have to change this, the, the way your business moves. How much is that going to cost? If you've got to retool a factory, that's a big thing. Yeah. Can, can you afford to shut in for two weeks, buy all the expensive stuff? Find the new market to sell your new product to. These things don't happen overnight. No. And take extreme care of planning, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's very rare that this happens on a whim and you get it turned around straight away. Yeah, and the cost of machinery comes into it and whether, whether if you can afford to buy it outright or then suddenly it comes down to like higher purchase and there is bits of finance. Again, that needs all to be pulled into your, your forecast and... Because a, a lot of people see a kind of a finance agreement as great. I, d- I don't have to pay it all now and pay it all later. But then it's like, well, maybe further down the line when you realise what the interest rate is and suddenly you're, you're crippled by massive interest payments. Well, one of the other things as well, which is, is quite topical as we record this, I think there's just been an announcement about, was it 3.4, 34 billion quids worth of um, things like the bounce back loans and recovery loans have just been written off mm-hmm. because of fraud. Um but of course, if you took a bounce back loan, you know, 
you you probably thought well we're doing all right because you were depleting the bounce back loan that you got with relatively little effort mm-hmm. it took you half an hour to get it off the bank where's the next 50 grand coming from though yeah you know, it has your business picked up enough to not only recover the lost trade but also give you enough breather to be able to repay that bounce back loan so you've got to find you know six seven eight hundred quid a month to pay a bounce back loan back is your business mm-hmm. your business has to be stronger than it was before the before the lockdown not yeah. just back to where it was and i think a lot of people are making that mistake as well and they can only make that mistake if they're not planning their cash flow mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's, it, the simple exercise is basically what's your cash balance now take away how much you borrowed and that's your true cash position if you hadn't taken the loan out yeah. in a roundabout way so suddenly the so you're going like, no cash now yeah you've got to find 50 grand mm-hmm yeah, you haven't. You're not sitting on zero at all, are you? Yeah, you're, you're, you're down. Yeah. But if you had 50, 55 grand in the bank, and you're like, well, I normally have five, so nothing's changed. But you know, it shows you've still got that fifty grand set aside that you can pay it. Yeah. So it's just simple things like that. I'm just just trying to understand what your true cash position is and what the effect of it is going to be over a, a longer period of time, rather than yeah. what's happening in the next week or so. And again, we've talked about having an open, transparent conversation with your customers. This is where the open relationship with your suppliers comes in. You might need to start to renegotiate different supply terms. You might need mm-hmm. longer payment terms. Um, you might need to speak to your bank and refinance. You know, if you've got an overdraft and it's expensive, shift it to a loan. Look at things like invoice financing. Look at, um, I mean, on a smaller scale, you might think, well, I don't want to do that on I don't want to invoice, you know, invoice hacker all of my invoices, but I wouldn't mind offering payment terms to my customers. So there's things like iWalker Pay, which is a really good um thing to basically offer offer credit to your customers, etc. You know, you've got you've got to look at different ways to try and get money in. Mm-hmm. You might move from once a year service to people to a monthly subscription service. And often if you do that, you can spread the workload and just change the way things work. So there's, there's loads of different options. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't got an idea of what your current numbers are, you're, you're just guessing, aren't you? If you, if, if yeah. you think, oh, I'll, I'll move there. Well, what's the impact? Who knows, but it'll be all right, I'm sure. It'll be fine. There's always cash in the bank. And I think some people have got away with that in the past if they're in a business where stuff has always just been all right. And it gives mm-hmm. people a false confidence that they're actually a master of their business. But yeah actually stuff just went with them as soon as they hit a challenge they can crumble from yeah and uh i mean we've always talked about this idea of change and uh if it's, it's always sometimes it's chosen sometimes it's thrust thrust upon you and when you're actually implementing change yourself you need to fully understand all of the implications there yeah, yeah. and that you includes... drive the change yeah you should be the cause of the change not not just at the whim of change mm-hmm. yeah Probably a better way to say that, but I'm happy with the way it came out. I mean, just, just as an aside then, just because I can throw you a curveball, when, when, you're, when you're speaking to clients at the minute, Jack, are people positive, negative? What, what's, what's the mood? It depends who you speak to and then their natural levels of optimism and pessimism. So you're, you're defining people on every scale, every part of yeah, the, every, I mean, the scale. Yeah, you'd like to think people are cautiously optimistic about things. There's, there's obviously some, some worries out there about external factors, inflation, um, change, legislative changes and, and stuff like that where people are a little bit nervous about things. But overall, I feel... 
I, I don't want to. I don't want this to come back to haunt me and say that COVID seems to be, the situation seems to be proving, and that generally is linked with like consumer confidence, business confidence. So I think people are, are relatively happy at the moment. But as I said, that's all relative to how positive and negative they feel in general. It, it, it may also. It, it might also actually just be an indication that they, they aren't aware of the impending doom. They might think, well, I, I made it through and I, and I, and I, and I got there, mm-hmm. but they don't realise they've got 50 grand to repay. Or yeah. it, it, might, it might be naivety, might it, or ignorance. Mm-hmm. But, you know, happy fool seems, is happy every day, aren't they? <laughs> just, just, you know, but yeah. it doesn't mean that it's all, doesn't mean they should be happy. No, possibly not, no. <laughs> yeah. So which client exactly is a happy fool and Jack <laughs> Name and shame, right. Just before for listeners rather than watchers, Jack was looking for wood to touch before there in case you cursed yourself <laughs> predicting the end of COVID, weren't you? Is yeah, that exactly. What you were doing? That's exactly what I was yeah, doing. this isn't wood, so that wouldn't have been. Oh, is it not? Oh. No. But, uh, yeah, so, but yeah, again, again, we're at a point where I think PMQs yesterday quite lively for a lot of reasons, but on the business side, the relevant part is, I think, the, you know, the suggestion that the end of restrictions is pretty much coming. I know yeah. certainly if you look at cases, COVID cases, pretty much everywhere in Europe, being our main comparable types of countries, is, is still very much on an upward trend, whereas we've been on a downward trend for a while now. Yeah. Um, and that's obviously had people thinking, well, that's it, we're, we're, we're through. I mean, it might come back, but yeah. hopefully that means most people can have a 2022 where they can focus on the normal day-to-day drama and disaster. <laughs> yeah, we're not saying there is, it's all going to disappear. There'll be something to take over, yeah. some other disaster. Uh, it, 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 yeah, I, so, so it's interesting because I, I had a personal, uh, tr- I didn't have a personal trainer, as you can tell, but I had someone who was a trainer in the gym who once said to me something like, exercise should never get easier because as you get fitter you should just always push yourself to that 90 percent mark mm-hmm. and i think business is like that i think i think if you want to get the most out of business it should always be hard you should always be on the edge of comfort mm-hmm. you should always be doing something that's challenging because that's where the rewarding stuff is people mm-hmm. get stuck in a rut life becomes too easy sometimes everyone wants an easy life but do you really i think i think having a challenge in business is a good thing so we've had an external challenge put on us for a couple of years but don't just think well i'll just write this year Mm -hmm. because one thing that is for sure is there's people out there who did make big gains in the last two years because they were more nimble than their competitors Mm -hmm. and they're not going to stop innovating so you know you might think oh leisure right well you know nightclubs are always going to be open now but the ones who have innovated over the last couple of years and still managed to put money onto their balance sheets, they're still more nimble than you are, and mm-hmm. they still will be this year. So you kind of just think, well, that's okay, we're back then. Does that make sense? No, it does, yeah, and you're right. It's, if you don't do it, someone else is. Yeah, and yeah. And that's going to be to your detriment. So. Absolutely. So if you think this like releasing of all restrictions means, great, we're back. Mm-hmm you're probably going backwards if all you're going to do is, is, is stand still, you know, because mm-hmm. someone else out there is, is always going to be hungrier and greedier, whatever you want to call it. You might say, well, I don't want to be that hungry, greedy person. You don't have to be. You can innovate for good reasons, but someone else is going to do it if you don't, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. So, 
I don't know what the next episode's on, but we'll release the trailer as soon as we have it. But that was Martin and Jack, part of the Accelerator team here at Robson Adler. If we've talked about anything that you think, well, that all sounds good, but where the hell do I start? Don't forget, we are still running killer coffee sessions. 15 minutes, we'll, 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 we'll chat to you, we'll help you diagnose some of the key things you need to change in your business, and we'll set you off on a template for, for, for change. Um, if that's of interest, just reach out and we'll, we'll, we'll have a coffee with you. Anything else to add, Jack? No, I'm looking forward to a coffee. Looking forward to a coffee, yeah, yeah. wet the appetite. Thanks very much, see you next episode.